Howdy, everybody. Welcome to Two Minutes and Beyond, the podcast where we review the Toy Story movies two minutes at a time. I'm Macy, and this is Bianca. Hello. Hi. How's it going? I was going to ask you the same thing. I'm doing good. (laughs) Good. Uh, Today, in this episode, we're talking about minutes seven and eight of Toy Story. I'm very excited. Me too. We get to talk about Bo today. I know. Finally seeing Bo. I'm excited. Yes. Uh, Speaking of that, when we start this clip, we catch Rex in the middle of his line he started in last week's clip. He says, "Here, but I just don't feel it. I think I'm just coming off as annoying. (laughs) Which is such a great line. I feel so bad for this poor dinosaur. He's so clunky and awkward. And he's just, he looks like a puppy. I <laughs> love that he looks like a puppy. <laughs> he kind of does. Suddenly, Bo's shepherdess crook appears and she pulls Woody towards herself. He coughs and says, ow. Which, for one, I immediately thought that's more evidence that toys feel pain. <laughs> I know. It's like, I don't understand the physics of Toy Story. I don't understand if certain things hurt them or certain things don't hurt them because there's some instances where you see toys being pretty much mutilated and they're like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'll just walk it off. And then stuff like that. And they're like, ow, this actually really hurts. <laughs> Yeah, like what he says, Al from Bo's Crook. But in Toy Story 4, when his voice box is literally being pulled and like ripped out of his back. Exactly. No anesthesia was used. (laughs) You know, this isn't just outpatient surgery. They're just literally ripping it out of his body. And that's pretty traumatizing. I was thinking of like the scene where they're. He's, like, suspended in the air, and, like, Bo's pulling on one side with the the rope, and then the dummies are pulling from the other side on on his string, and it, like, starts to come out. Yeah, that's true. The same thing when his arm falls off. I'm like, yeah, he's scared about it. He's surprised that his arm is falling off in Toy Story 2, but he doesn't say anything. Like, if my arm were to fall off, I'd be screaming in pain. It it really doesn't make sense. I'm also wondering how Woody and Rex didn't see Bo coming up behind him. I know. She's like a ninja. She just sneaks. And I'm like, Rex needs to learn from Bo certain, you know, sneaking qualities because I'm pretty sure Woody heard him. And that's why he wasn't scared when he came up to Roar. And it's like, you just imagine this big clunky dinosaur. You would hear his footsteps. I know. (laughs) So let's talk about Bo Peep for a little bit, shall we? Yes, I love Bo. She's great. Woody's girlfriend was originally supposed to be a Barbie doll, but Mattel didn't want that. So they designed Bo Peep, according to Pixar Wiki, after uh, she's a reference to the fairy tale, The Shepherdess and the Chimney Sweep by Hans Christian Andersen. And that story is also about toys coming to life in a child's room. 
Hmm, that's interesting. I never knew that the toys came. Like, I've heard of the story. And mm-hmm. I know kind of the basis of that story. But I never really realized that the toys come to life. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm very out of the loop on a lot of things. <laughs> well, a lot of things. I'm I'm learning just doing research for this. So I'm learning a lot of new stuff, too. I know. That's so crazy. I... You know, I really like that they went this path with the um, the character choice instead of a Barbie for mm-hmm. Woody. Because I feel like it makes more sense to have a shepherdess with a cowboy as opposed to like yeah. a, a fashion model doll with a cowboy. It just fits better. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad that they allowed Barbies in the rest of the the Toy Story movies. But I'm glad that. Uh, Woody didn't end up with a Barbie girlfriend. I know. I mean, I do. I've, I've loved Barbie since I was little. I have Same. had countless amounts of Barbies and I've loved her to death. But to see her as just like a separate character and not like a love interest in the movie, I am glad they made that decision. Mm-hmm. Besides, she's already got Ken. I so. know. She's got Ken. I, who. Who else could you ask for? (laughs) In our sacred text, Toy Story, the art and (laughs) making of the animated feature, (laughs) on pages 86 and 87, it talks about Bo. Um, There's a quote from Galen Sussman, the lighting lead on this movie. She says, our Bo Peep isn't as dainty as you'd expect her to be from her looks. She's more of a city chick than a farm girl. Also on those pages, it talks about how it's comparing Bo and Ham. It says they're at opposite like extremes of how shaders can depict light hitting a surface. And it says, initially, Bo's snow-white skin was going to carry a matte shader finish similar to Ham's, but that made her look too much like the other plastic doll toys and left her lost in crowd scenes. Instead, her skin was pushed up to maximum shininess, then given, given a series of intricate reflections with a technical trick called Trace Cube, which, to simplify it, is basically like it's a flattened out sort of cardboard box um like texture with the whole environment mapped onto it it says in Bo's case a little trace cube technology went a long way if we tried to reflect the whole room in her it got too complicated says galen sussman who worked on Bo's shader as well as one for her sheep Every time she turned her head, she had all this distracting stuff moving over her face. It made her look metallic, so we simplified it. If you examine Bo closely during her scenes with Woody, you'll see that the only objects reflected in her dazzling surface are Andy's bedroom windows. Woody doesn't show up at all. Of course, that selective, self-possessed exterior truly befits the sort of woman that Bo is. She's her own shepherdess, not some beautiful reflection of a shy cowboy's interest in her. That's really interesting, like, how they do it, and then they tell you how they do it in the sacred text. They, (laughs) you know, give you different little tidbits, like, this is what we did to figure this out, and this is how we fixed it when we realized it's too much. And, you know, I really like 
those little tidbits, especially coming from an artist's point of view, because that just shows like how much dedication they put into each and every character. Mm-hmm. And I also thought it was interesting the way they talk about her. Like you say, they say she's more of a city chick than a farm girl. Like she, um, I really like the the line. I really like what it said the, about how she's her own shepherdess, not some beautiful reflection of a shy cowboy's interest in her. Because I feel like, kind of because of the way that, um, that she got used in the first two movies, she's kind of seen as at least before Toy Story four, she's kind of seen as oh she's, she's only there to be Woody's girlfriend. Which right, yeah. it's kind of true, but she's also, um, but that, but her personality is like she's a strong woman. Yeah, she's independent. She's not um, just like following the pack and being like, "Oh, well, whatever happens, happens." You know, like she's she's sassy. Even in the first couple of movies, she's not, you know, just dainty little ceramic model over there she actually has you know roles to play as even though they didn't give her that many roles i feel like she was a pretty good character well even in this scene that we're talking about i mean she knows what she wants <laughs> this is true she literally grabs him with her hook you know she is a pretty independent woman Mm-hmm. <laughs> i do like that about her she is voiced by Annie Potts, who was an actress known for her roles in Ghostbusters 1 and 2 and the reboot of Ghostbusters. And she's in the show Young Sheldon. Um, and she's been in a bunch of other things as well. And she also appeared in a video that I watched in my driver's ed class <laughs> in 2011 that was clearly filmed in like the 90s because it had a bunch of 90s celebrities in it. The only two I remember were Annie Potts and Tim Allen. They were both in this driver's ed video that I had to watch. I don't remember what it was about, but I I just remember being like, oh, it's it's that lady who plays Bo. That's fantastic. I actually really like her character in Ghostbusters. It's been forever since I've seen Ghostbusters, so I don't remember her name. I'm sorry, but... I think it's funny that she plays a sassy character also in Ghostbusters. Annie Potts is just a sassy lady. I love her. <laughs> I've never seen Ghostbusters. Oh, I think you'd enjoy it. It's fun. I I should watch it sometime. Eventually. Yeah. When we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole scene where... Bo and Woody are flirting like as a kid it always made me really uncomfortable but not necessarily because they were flirting but just because of the weird faces Woody was making through the whole scene that's always made me feel very uncomfortable too it's like secondhand embarrassment you feel his mm -hmm. embarrassment and you're just like stop you're making a huge dork out of yourself and I don't know what Bo sees in you just stop it <laughs> So I debated if I wanted to mention this and if 
we want to cut it out. We can. But I think a couple years ago, I saw someone on social media point out the um, the shape of the racetrack behind them during the whole scene mm-hmm. and what the shape looks like. <laughs> Dare I even ask? <laughs> I mean, if you just look at the clip, you can see it. That's behind... It's behind them as they're talking. Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to look this up now. <laughs> <laughs> so you said it was when Bo and Woody are talking. Mm-hmm. Oh my it's gosh! It's like at seven seconds. That's where you can see it best. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> see, but it doesn't even. I mean, it kind of does. <laughs> But it also kind of doesn't. <laughs> I know, which is why, I mean, I I don't know whether whether I want to say it's intentional or not, but it kind of seems intentional. It seems a little intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that you have to, that you have to see now that. Now I'm never not, not going to see that also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I really like, I've always really liked the that line, um... I'm just a couple of blocks away. Yeah, like building that's, blocks. <laughs> that's a good pun. That is a good pun. So I was also wondering, like, how long have they been together at this point? Because according to Toy Story 4, like this, what what he says in Toy Story 4, they, uh, Molly got Bo because she was afraid of the dark. And Molly's still like a baby at this point. So they must not have been together for very long at at, at this point. And probably not. And that's what maybe. I'm thinking. I think that they, if anything, have had her for like a couple of months at the most. But even then, Molly doesn't look older than a year. Like she looks like she's either about to turn a year or just, you know already at a year old she doesn't seem older or Mm -hmm. you know or any younger than that she's already standing she's putting stuff in her mouth usually that happens when you're at a year or slightly older and i'm like yeah that doesn't make sense so there's probably they just got Bo a couple of months ago and of course you know, being the friendly cowboy he is, just welcomed her, and then he's just like, I'm attaching myself to you. <laughs> I feel like knowing Bo, she might have been the one to make the first move. More than likely, she was. She's probably, you know, she's probably been yanking at his neck with her crook since the day that she came out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> which, speaking of which, I'm always slightly disappointed because. No, I have like three different bow dolls. None of their crooks actually fit on his neck. Woody doll, <laughs> doll's necks. That's sad. It seems like a weird thing to test, but I've tried it. <laughs> You're like, don't ask me why. Out of curiosity. <laughs> that is funny. I know because her, her little staff, the crook, is pretty huge for. A toy. She's not even a toy. She's just a lamp accent. I mean, Andy uses her as a toy. 
He does. I'm pretty sure he would use a styrofoam cup as a toy. <laughs> I was also wondering, like, why does she walk, like, the opposite direction from the meeting and not go to the meeting? This is true. She doesn't go to the meeting. Rude. She doesn't want to hear the love of her life give a meeting. <laughs> she doesn't want to be a supportive girlfriend. <laughs> she just wants to go throw her sheep somewhere and spend the night with him. <laughs> oh my god. Because I think I remember seeing her in like in the commercials for the Toy Story animated storybook and in the walkthroughs I've watched of it. She's there in the staff meeting scene, but they don't have the scene with them flirting. Hmm. That's interesting. I wonder if it was like a last minute change for the, you know, the animated storybook because they thought, okay, this is a little awkward to keep putting in media. But because I, too, also felt that was a really awkward scene. And even to this day, I'm like, I'm fast forwarding these five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cute, but it's also kind of hard to watch. And it's just mostly because of Woody's face. It, yes, I think they could have spent a little more time on it to where it wasn't so weird. But I think also they were just trying to get the movie out. So... I don't know. To be fair, Woody makes a lot of weird faces in this movie. He does. Not just this scene. And it's one of my favorite things when he goes ballistic with Buzz and he's just like going off on him and he's like angry, like yelling all his facial expressions. It makes me laugh. <laughs> At 27 seconds, it cuts to Slinky gathering everyone up for the staff meeting and saying, says come on come on smaller toys up front and then the troikas all pop out of each other's mouths and line up with the smallest ones in the front i love those little dudes they're so cute i wanted uh i was hoping that they would make a toy of it like as obscure as that oh, is they could have done that they could have done that i would have loved that to have as a collectible item because i love those little dudes I've seen, like, some fans make custom ones. Oh, that's cute. Maybe I'll just yeah. go buy a custom one somewhere. Because I really do like those little dudes. I, I looked up a little bit about them. They're inspired by Russian nesting dolls, of course. There's a bulldog, a cat, a duck, a goldfish, and a ladybug. And according to Pixar Wiki, they're based on Little Tyke's nested farm animals. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So at 30 seconds, Woody is still staring after Bo, making a really awkward face. <laughs> uh, Slinky catches his attention and says, hey, Woody, come on. And Woody runs to his place at the podium. There's a shot of some of the other toys walking up to the meeting. And during this shot, you can hear, if you listen closely, you can hear the sea and say, uh, saying, the sheep goes, bah, bah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've never noticed that. And because this time when I was watching the clip, it was low, I didn't get to hear it. But I'm going to have to rewatch it with my volume louder so that I can hear it. There's so many audio things that I'm noticing for the first time just because I don't usually watch the movie with headphones on. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm watching it with headphones on, I can hear all this stuff that I've never noticed before. 
I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to plug in my, my headphones to my phone and watch the clips. So Woody gets up to the podium, which is just a tub of Tinker Toys with some blocks behind it for it, for him to stand on. There's an, a hymn sound, speaking of sounds that I never noticed until listening to it with headphones. <laughs> and Woody turns to see Mr. Mike offering his microphone. Woody thanks him and takes it. There's a bunch of feedback, and Mr. Mike sheepishly takes a step back. According to, to Pixar Wiki, Mr. Mike is a real toy from 1981. He's the play school rockin' robot. The toy is identical to Mr. Mike seen in the film in both functionality and appearance. Uh, I want to say my cousin had one because I remember it. And I saw it when I first saw it in the, the movie. I was like, that's just like my cousins. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have one of those, but I had a different play school like tape recorder microphone thing that it was like a like sort of a round um design mm-hmm. but it had like the same color scheme and it was made it was also made by play school i'm pretty sure uh there's various real life toys of of mr mike that have been made based on the movie um including two made by play school in 1996 mr mike recites various lines from Toy Story, and the AM-FM tuner has been replaced by a voice changer. Mm, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that he says a him, but then he doesn't, he doesn't talk anywhere else in the movie. That's the only thing he says. That's true. He doesn't say anything else. It's like he's just a vessel for other toys to speak through. <laughs> He doesn't have a voice of his own. <laughs> That's nope. so sad. At 38 seconds, you can see Mr. Mike raises his right eyebrow and it goes like so far up that it like disappears. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gone. It's not there anymore. I wonder if that was just like a like a little error that happened Probably. and it just kept going up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was wondering, would feedback that bad like happen um, just from from being that close? Because I feel like at least with the tape recorder I had, from what I remember, you basically had to like put the microphone right up next to the speaker to get to get feedback that was as bad as as that is. Right. I really don't think so because I've had stuff like that too, and like where you put the microphone next to the um, the actual unit and it doesn't make, and it doesn't even make it that loud. I'm like, what kind of Mr. Mike magic is going on here? <laughs> Maybe that was his retaliation because he doesn't have a voice. Maybe that was him trying to call for help. <laughs> that was his dream. And Woody just shuns him away. That's why he looks so sad when he walks away. <laughs> Um, at 41 seconds, another weird audio thing that I never noticed before was there's a weird voice in the background. Um, when the, when the feedback goes off, there's a weird voice in the background saying, oh, I hate that. Stop it. Stop. That doesn't, it doesn't sound like any of the toys that I can think of. Hmm. It's probably like, uh, 
Like, you know, when they do just like filler voices just to make it sound like a crowd talking. And it's probably one of the the artists or like the producer or somebody just, you know, when they just do like random little cameos, that's probably what happened. <laughs> I just want to know which toy it belongs to because it's like, it's like this weird, oh, stop it, stop it. I have I, heard that though. I've heard that one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like... Um, Could it be one of the little tykes? Probably. <laughs> or maybe it's the hockey puck, and that's the only time he talks and oh. we don't know. <laughs> Could be. At 45 seconds, Woody blows on the mic to test it and checks that everyone can hear him. Then he starts with the first item on his list, moving buddies. Everyone kind of freaks out, and Ham says... Moving bunnies, you can't be serious. And Rex says he didn't know they were supposed to have one already. Potato Head cheekily holds one of his arms and asks, do we have to hold hands? <laughs> I love which, how much of a jerk Mr. Potato Head is. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head is constantly trying to undermine Woody's authority. I feel like he, out of all the toys, just does not give any type of crap he's just like i'm gonna do what i want i'm the most chaotic toy here <laughs> i'm just gonna wreak havoc i feel like Woody kind of needs that though he needs to be taken down he needs to be taken down a peg he a does bit. it's he you know what mr potato head keeps woody's pride in check and i really feel like that's needed because if not i feel like Andy's room would be a whole lot more strict and it would be kind of like a concentration camp. <laughs> oh, I noticed in this scene, the the little tykes firemen are just, they're just kind of sitting there chilling in their little truck. And they're one so of cute. them is, they're adorable. I and just one need them, one short. I need Pixar to do one short of just those little <laughs> dudes just doing whatever in Andy's room. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them is like sitting in the little... Oh, in the little basket up on the top. Top of the ladder. (laughs) Just chilling. They're so cute. At 106, Woody says, oh, yeah, you guys think this is a big joke. We've only got one week left before the move. I don't want any toys left behind. I'm moving, buddy. If you don't have one, get one. I honestly feel, I feel like Woody was very confident in that. Everything was going to go according to plan, but nothing ever goes according to plan, even in the workplace. I feel like this is a 1995 toy version of The Office. We kind of talked about that, didn't yes. we? Yes. <laughs> and this whole scene in particular, I feel like it's part of like, I feel like Mr. Potato Head would be the one, like Stanley, just to pull out a pizza and just start eating <laughs> Pull out his pretzel. Yes. I mean, I, you know, working at a doctor's office, I have seen so many plans, so many implementations just not work out because the execution of giving the information was not properly done and nobody cares. Even I don't care. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) You know what you're talking about, moving buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like. I, it, it seems like maybe all the toys are like a little bit embarrassed at the idea of having to have like a moving buddy, which is part of why they're they're not so crazy about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, it's a checks and balance kind of thing. And Woody seems like a very organized toy. But at the same time, if they're all independent and if you're relying on them individually, then maybe it's a little more accountable than opposed to just two people just slacking off and being like, well, whatever, bye. I don't know. I I feel like if you're in Woody's position and you want to make sure everyone gets to the new house in one piece, then a moving buddy's probably not a bad idea. True. I think also he just wanted to have Bo as his moving buddy. <laughs> so he put up the plan like, oh yeah, we're going to be in a box together moving. <laughs> and then Buzz comes along. Jeez. <laughs> oh, while Woody's talking... The roly-poly clown gets in the way of Potato Head, and Potato Head, like, smacks him back. That's one of my favorite things. Even though I feel so bad for the little clown, I feel like he was just listening, being the attentive toy that he is, and then he just gets slapped. He gets sucker-punched by Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head, I feel like, hits him several times in this scene. He's, he's a very rude potato. I know. Like you need to learn some manners. He didn't, you know, he needs a wife is what he needs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not until that's not till the next movie. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> At one sixteen, you can hear a dog barking in the background, and I I assume it must be Scud or some other neighborhood dog. Probably, I've. You know, I really don't notice a lot of stuff. When I watch a movie, <laughs> I could just go into like this daydream zone and I'm just like with my eyes glazed over watching the movie. <laughs> um right after that at 117, there's there's a good shot of like every all of the books on Andy's shelf and all the toys and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's the board games Operation Mousetrap and Ants in the Pants. Um, there's a silver and red top, and then there's a bunch of books. Do we want to go through all of the books that are on that shelf? Yeah, let's go through all the books. But first, I must say that I've had all of those games. Those were a lot of fun. I want to say that um, Mousetrap was my most favorite game. But just to set up, I never actually played the game. I just set up the whole mousetrap. <laughs> I don't think I ever played mousetrap or operation. I think the I think the box art on the operation games kind of scared me as a child. <laughs> I do remember. I don't know if it was Ants in the Pants, but it was one of those games from that same company as Ants in the Pants, where they come in like those weird rectangular the very boxes. white boxes yes yeah and all in the same font i used to have i don't know if we had i want to say we do because i remember the ants i remember the big plastic ants but my favorite one from that line of toys was don't break the ice that's what i was gonna say that's the one i know i for sure played that was a fun game that one was a fun game and that too i used to love to set up all the ice cubes <laughs> <laughs> that was me i was the kid that loved setting stuff up <laughs> the the books on the shelf are Grimm's Fairy Tales, Knick Knack, Floppy, I think it's I think it says Floppy and Bunny, uh Tin Toy by Lassiter, Red Stream by Reeves, uh which is a reference to 
Bill Reeves, who I could be wrong, but off the top of my head, if I remember right, I think he was the supervising technical director of this movie. Mm-hmm. And he worked on Red's Dream. And then there's Ant and B go on a vacation scooter run by, it was kind of hard to read the, the author name on there, but I think it's Opper, A-U-P-P-E-R. Hmm. And there's great places for children to, to visit. The Adventures of Andre and Wally B. Smurl, Smurl, Twist and Twirl by, <laughs> I think it says El Money. Pale Cowboy from Texas, Help the Planet and Feet First. Knickknack, uh, Tin Toy, Red Stream, and the Adventures of Andre and, Ro- and Wally B are, of course, are are all reference to references to Pixar shorts, like the old, all those old Pixar shorts. Mm-hmm. Ant and B go on a vacation. It might be a reference to a book series called Ant and B, but there's no, there's a bunch of Ant and B books, but there's no, um, there's there's no books. Co- that there's no books called Ant and Bee Go on a Vacation. Maybe uh, it was just like paying homage to it. Like they probably, probably so. really liked the series or maybe somebody's child really liked the series. So they just wanted to put that in there. Yeah. Um, Scooter Run is probably a reference to the fact that they would like race all race scooters around the Pixar <laughs> office. Probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I had just watched that Pixar studio story behind the scenes thing from one of the DVDs where they um, they told the story of like beating each other's records, like <laughs> racing the scooters all all around the office. I uh, think I've seen that, and I thought to myself, like, yeah, that's really cool and everything, but after um, that bird scooter company that came out i don't know if you have it in your city but we have lime okay well we have one called bird and it's brought in a lot of patients to where i work we've had a lot of people come in after writing those i like i used to like to use them on campus they were fun to ride around to my different classes in different buildings. That sounds like fun, though, having a little scooter to get to class, especially if you're on a like a big campus and it's easier mm-hmm. to just go that way as opposed to, you know, just walking from building to building. Yeah, you got to be careful, though, because doing it too much can get kind of expensive. <laughs> That's the only downside. Yeah. Smurl, Smurl, Twist and Twirl is a reference to Elliot Smurl. He was on the modeling team, shader team, and modeling and animation system development for this movie. Um, Feet First doesn't seem to be a real book, although I did find a couple of books with that title. One is a memoir from 2003 that's a story about a first-generation son of immigrant parents who came to America after the turn of the century in the early 1900s. And then the other is a book from 1988 about foot reflexology. (laughs) And it's about how whatever this is, foot reflexology can apparently fix all kinds of physical problems from headaches and insomnia to high blood pressure and, and weight loss. And uh, it can reduce stress, revitalize energy, strengthen the immune system, stimulate creativity, and enhance relationships. 
Oh, I'm down for a foot massage. (laughs) It seems like one of those things that just claims to fix everything. Right. I know. I know we have pressure points. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know how many pressure points or if they'd fix every single problem. Like I've heard of reflexology. They even do it on the hands and like on the ears. But um, I don't know if you have that many pressure points. I'd have to research it and I'd have to like actually look it up to see how credible it actually is. Like how many things it actually cures. It sounds too good to be true to me. Yeah, it kind of does. But I hate, like I said, I'm down for a foot massage. So, <laughs> At 1.20, Woody moves on to his next point. He says, Tuesday night's plastic corrosion awareness meeting was, I think, a big success. And we want to thank Mr. Spell for putting that on for us. There's a, like a little bit of like light applause, probably because how few of them actually have hands that can clap. <laughs> and then Mr. Spell says, you're welcome, with the words scrolling across his screen. In his little monotone voice. <laughs> Which I just, I love the the plastic corrosion awareness meeting joke. One, because it's really funny, but also because it's just like, it's this interesting little look into like the kind of things like a toy would be concerned about. Right. I know. Like it's as if we're going to like a, like a nutrition class or a reflexology class. <laughs> I mean, of course, a toy would have to be worried about plastic corrosion. (laughs) I know, especially like the I don't know if you've ever seen it online where uh, if you don't properly dry out like rubber ducks, they get mold on the inside of them. So I would see how that's a concern for the toys. I wonder if those toys feel the effects of the mold, too. Like, are they immune to it? Do they start getting sick, too? Do they feel pain? (laughs) Exactly. Do they feel pain? (laughs) I feel like we're just going to keep coming back to that topic. I'm very intrigued in this topic. I need to know, do you feel pain? I feel like they would feel pain. But then again, there's, like I said, there's certain instances where they're pretty mutilated and they're like, hey, I'm fine. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to give a little bit of history about Mr. Spell. He was based on a toy um, called Speak and Spell that was created in the late 70s by Texas Instruments, the company that makes all those calculators and stuff. It was the first commercially available product to use something called digital signal processing, which, um, according to this website, thoughtco.com, Digital signal processing is a manipulation of analog information into digital, which for the the speak and spell would mean um, taking analog sounds and based on based on my probably not great understanding of it, taking analog sounds and using it to create digital sounds. Uh, I think that's I think that's a good way to explain it. So kind of like a computer speaking. Yeah. Which is um, why he has such a monotone robotic voice. Yeah, there's actually a really good video that like 
I wasn't even looking for it. Like weeks ago, it got randomly recommended to me on YouTube by this channel called the the Eight Bit Guy, and it was about speech synthesizers. And actually had a speak and spell like in the thumbnail because they talked a lot about the speak and spell, as well as um, the see and say, mm -hmm. and they talked about um, pull string toys. Oh, that's interesting. And it explained, and the guy explains how a lot of that, that kind of stuff works a lot in a, a lot better than he's able to explain it a lot better than I can. <laughs> Um, but I'll put that I'll put that video in the show notes if I remember to. That's really interesting. I I like learning stuff like that, like how certain things work, especially when it's something that you grew up with, because mm -hmm. you've grown up with it. Like, oh, it just works, you know, it's nothing yeah. to it. But then you get older and you're like, well, how does this work? So watching videos like that's always really interesting. Yeah, it it was really interesting because it talks about. I mean, like I said, it talks about like the the C and say as well, which apparently started off having a pull string, like Woody, and then it goes into it talks about like briefly about pull string toys and how those work, and it's really it's and it and it uh and it talks about computer speech synthesizers, and it's it's really neat. That is um, really neat. But this Mr. Spell is voiced by Jeff Pigeon, who has been an animator, writer, and a storyboard artist for Pixar. And he also voiced the robot and the aliens in this movie. Hmm, that's interesting. I didn't know that he did the robot, too. I yeah, knew he I did the aliens, but yeah. I didn't know he did the robot. Yeah, I didn't know either. At 132... Woody lifts up the plastic cover of his doodle pad and he kind of, he tries to hurry through his next point. He says, one minor note here, Andy's birthday party has been moved to today. Next we have, but then everyone cuts him off and just completely freaks out. What uh, makes there's... me mad at this clip is that he lifts up the paper. Oh, yeah. But that erases your notes. So I'm I like, why did you that. lift it up? Because <laughs> it looks like he's looking, he's lifting it up to like see it better, but that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense. Or like he's looking at a minor note underneath another document, but I'm like, that doesn't work in this situation because that little film is what erases yeah. what you wrote. <laughs> that would make sense if it was like paper and he was looking at what was underneath, at the paper underneath. But. Yeah, you can't fool me, sense. Pixar. I, I know that. how these toys work. <laughs> There's a voice, like, when everyone freaks out, I'm pretty sure it's Potato Head saying, wait a minute here, hold the phone, back it up, will ya? But, like, Potato Head's lips aren't moving. <laughs> like, he's just going, he's making this scared face with his teeth, like, showing, like, I mean, people listening can't see what I'm doing. But his, <laughs> his teeth, he's got his teeth showing, and his He's not talking, but it, that's his voice saying that. I'm maybe pretty sure it's just, his voice. I'm like 90% sure it's his voice. Maybe they forgot to animate that part. Like, they forgot that they took that clip and they were using it. And when it came time, when they were watching it, they're like, oh, we forgot to animate Potato Head's mouth moving. But then they're <laughs> like, man, nobody's going to worry anyways. It's all children watching it. <laughs> they, they... Did not predict that in 2000 and that in 2021 
and be we too be analyzing every single day. <laughs> <laughs> but when when Woody announces it, a, a bunch of the toys like jump up, and like Mr. Potato Head's hat like flies off, and the and then falls back down. The same thing happens to like the little tykes, which the little is like. Tykes. It's just such a little, just a little fun, like cartoony thing. Yeah, that is really cute. I want to say that I think every instance that Andy has a potential of getting a new toy, this happens. Well, that's what he, that's what what he says. He says like every Christmas and birthday we go through this. But I mean, even like if they go to the store and Andy's mom says, you know what, you got a good grade. Let's just get you a toy. And then they come home and there's a new toy and they're all freaking out. And the new toy's like, what's going on? <laughs> um, I, oh, I love that Mr. Spell's screen says, what? In all caps with yes. like <laughs> a bunch of question marks and an exclamation point. That's great. I like that extra little bit that they put in there. Like they actually utilized his little screen to yeah, do a lot funny. of fun things like that. Yeah. At 140, Rex says, What do you mean the party's today? His birthday's not till next week. And Ham says, What's going on down there? Is his mom losing her marbles? <laughs> when he explains that she must have wanted to have the party before the move, he says, I'm not worried. You shouldn't be worried. Potato Head. Again, just being violent to the other toys, pushes Lenny and the roly-poly clown aside and says, of course Woody ain't worried. He's been Andy's favorite since kindergarten. And Slinky comes to Woody's defense and says, hey, come on, Potato Head. If Woody says it's all right, then we'll dart it. It's And then that's where the clip cuts off. And Mr. Potato Head has pulled his mouth out and is holding it behind his back. And it just ends with him holding it behind his back. I love that they put that in the movie because that's something that the adults could laugh at Mm -hmm. while the kids are watching and they're like, what's going on? Because I remember as a child, I didn't understand what that was until much later when I was watching it. I'm like, I finally get why that's in the movie. (laughs) And it fits (laughs) Mr. Potato Head very perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I definitely didn't get it either as a child. That's so um, funny. There's a lot of stuff like that that they put into movies, not necessarily even just Pixar, mm-hmm. but other movies that are geared for children. Me watching stuff now as adult, as an adult, I'm like, oh gosh, why did they put that in there? That's just, that flew over my head when I was a kid. So. I mean, I guess it is for the parents because the parents usually get stuck watching cartoons with their kids. So it's just a little comedy relief for them. Yeah, I remember being a teenager watching Toy Story for the first time in years around the time Toy Story 3 came out and getting a lot of the or noticing a lot of the jokes for the first time and being like, wow, this movie is way more adult than I remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes it great, though. I mean, it's not just for kids to where it's cheesy and annoying and, you know, extra childish. Because mm-hmm. those types of movies that don't have any type of, like, older kid or adult humor in it usually just come off as, like, a movie for a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. But this one is for the whole family. So they have to incorporate other stuff that 
you know, older kids would like and that the adults would get and like too. Yeah. And I feel like in this movie, a lot of those jokes come from Mr. Potato Head. I love Mr. Potato Head. He's such a snarky potato. <laughs> oh, and I, I like the detail that, you know, and Woody's been Andy's favorite since kindergarten. I like that, too. I like that, you know, they put that in there because when I was little, I know I had favorite toys from when I was a child. I, when I was a baby, I used to have an Ernie stuffed toy. Aww. And I loved that Ernie to death. He was my favorite. Yeah, I don't think I ever had, like, one consistent favorite toy like um, like Andy does with, with Woody. But I definitely, definitely had, like, different favorite toys at different times. Yeah, I um, can see that. Like, I had a few favorite toys. Um even as Andy was growing up, you know that he would have stayed his favorite. And for me, that relates a lot to me because for me, as a 30-year-old adult, I still have stuffed animals from when I was about five or six. And I'm going to keep those. And I'm probably going to be buried with them, too. <laughs> yeah, I still have my golden retriever stuffed animal that I got for Christmas when I was eight, almost 18 years ago. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have, um, well, I have a stuffed dog. He's like a, a sad looking beagle for, um, it was my great grandma's and she named him Lyndon after Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> and when she passed away, they were, you know, just going through her house. They're like, Oh, here, Bianca, you can have this. So I now have Lyndon. <laughs> that's sweet. Um, that I just like that. That's, that's such a, that's such a like great like little bit of information that like establishes Woody Woody and Andy's relationship and just like an almost a throwaway line. Yeah, it's a very nonchalant just whatever line, but yeah. it sets up the premise that you know he's his favorite and that makes it even more like, oh, he's been his favorite forever. So when Buzz comes on, that's why he's Woody is acting the way he's acting because he's been the favorite for years. Yeah. Is there, since we're at the end of the clip, is there anything else you'd like to say about it? Because uh, I have a couple things. I mean, we do cover a lot of stuff, so I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say that this is one of the scenes where. Sometimes I, I, when I'm watching the movie, I just like like to imitate Woody's gestures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people quote, like say the quotes from the movie along with the movie, but I'm doing Woody's. Well, I'm probably doing both the gestures and the quotes <laughs> in this yeah. scene. You know, he's a very animated, no pun intended, toy, and it's just fun to watch all of his movements. And I think that that was intended because he's a ragdoll. Mm -hmm. So ragdolls are more floppy and they move around. So they tried to animate and incorporate that into his character. And I think they did a really good job. One of the things that the book, Sacred Texts, actually <laughs> mentions is that I, um, I wrote it down in my research, but I, I was, I've kind of been waiting for a good scene to mention it, but um, they based 
a lot of Woody's movements off of, uh, what's his name, Ray Bolger, who I think was, I, I could be wrong, was the, the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. Okay, yeah. No, he's pretty animated, too. He's he's a pretty good example. Yeah. Oh, um, how does Ham get to the top of the shelf? Gosh, I've never thought of that. Like, when I saw him on the shelf, you just say, okay, like, that's his house because that's where piggy yeah. banks go. But then you're like, wait, how does he get down? Like, does he get on the bed? Does he bounce down and then go back up? Or do they have, well, like, a crane was, system? <laughs> he was in, like, the clip before this. He was down on the ground talking to Potato Head, like, just a minute or two ago. Exactly. He's what type of sorcery is this pig using? I don't know. He, I'm gonna start calling him the wizard pig. <laughs> um, according to the audio commentary, they they mentioned in this during this scene that they researched by they did research on toys by going to Toys R Us and buying. And, like, looking at all the toys with, like, using their company credit cards during work <laughs> hours and then bringing their own toys from home. That's great. I like that. I mean, I wish I had the kind of job where I could use company money to go out and buy toys. And buy toys and research that research them, quote unquote. <laughs> And also, according to the commentary, they said that the staff meeting was actually the scene that they rewrote and re-storyboarded the most. I can see that because it needs to sound as natural as like an office type mm-hmm. business meeting or like um, you know, just any type of general meeting where you'd have a community. And it's also hard to get the speaker to sound as fluid me being in speech class i'm learning all of this so i can understand how that would be difficult to set out an outline for the speech and then to have the uh community react to the speaker yeah i guess that's that's about it if you don't have anything else to to say no i'm pretty good okay i guess i am too Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to follow our Facebook and Twitter accounts and send us an email if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.